Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. First of all, what not to ask is how can my spouse love me? This is why people don't get married today because they're constantly asking, how can this person love me, fulfill me, be everything that I need? There's an element of it, maybe 20% of how can I love them, but it's mostly how can they love me? And so people don't get married because they just don't think somebody can meet all of their needs. They're constantly paranoid, but that's not the point. The point is not by God's design. Now, if you wanna go by the culture, again, that's another deal. By God's design, it's not how can my spouse love me? It's how can I love my spouse? Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Every family goes through highs and lows. The list of challenges are endless. Often, it can seem as though there is no way through, but that is not what God has for you. He wants your family to thrive. He wants you to marry well and to be content in that marriage. He wants you to love your spouse as Christ loved the church and to raise your children up in the Lord. Even though God wants these things for us, it can still be difficult to know how our families can become all they are capable of being. In this sermon series, we will hear about the vision God has for our families and what it will take to experience it. Please enjoy the message. Part of our marriage wouldn't be a part of our family. I wanted the gym membership, but when she looked at our finances, she said, I just don't see how it's going to work. I don't think that we need it. A gym membership is a good thing. I always had a gym membership. But then I quickly realized, you know what? I think that this is something that I need to cut out. And, I, and so I acquiesced and I said, I'm going to cut this thing out. One of the best decisions I ever made. Because the next year, what we did, is we, we, we started training for a half a marathon, and it forced us to spend hours together. It was this incredible bonding experience. I can't wait till we get the opportunity to do it again. Um, with the little kids, we don't have that opportunity right now, but it was one of the, that was one of the best things about our first year together was the fact that I didn't have a gym membership. It was a good thing, but whenever, when we looked at everything and looked at our priorities, I realized I had to sacrifice the good thing for the best thing. It's like a guy I know who had a... Uh, recording studio in his basement. They were ma- his wife and him were married for a few years. That recording studio was a place he would spend hours in playing his guitar, recording music. But when kids came along, he knew he had to sacrifice the good thing for the best thing. And he had to get rid of the studio. He had to sell his guitar. And that room became a playroom for his kids. It's like another guy I know who gave away, he had a, he had a, he gave away his bike. He would, ride for, he would ride long distances on this bike. And I know many of you do that, and I'm not judging you. That's a good, that's a good thing. And it, it's great if it works for you. But he realized this was going to become something that was going to become a hindrance to him spending time with his family. And so he sacrificed the good thing to focus on the best thing. I know a guy who gave away his golf clubs because he just said, you know what? I don't have time to spend five hours playing golf on a weekend instead of being at my kids' games or p- spending time with my kids. It's a good thing to play, play golf, to do those things, but he gave it away because he wanted to focus on the best thing. What are the best things? In order to focus on the best things, what good things do you need to cut out of your life? In order to steward my time and energy well, what broken or toxic things do I need to cut from my life? Laura and I, when we were married, got married, it became very obvious that I needed to distance and separate myself from my family. My immediate family, I was going to keep relationships going with them. But in order for me to focus on the best thing, I had to push that thing out of my life. Why? Because, well, they were causing unnecessary tension and problems. 
It wasn't what I wanted to do, but when I evaluated the situation, I had to make a decision. And that decision became very evident that I needed to separate myself from some of my family to focus on my new family that I was going to have with my wife. One of the best decisions I ever made. Also one of the hardest, easily one of the hardest decisions I ever made. What are the toxic things in your life that you need to remove from your life? What are these broken things that are in your life? Is it um, some type of an addiction? Is it some friends that you need to separate yourself from? It's hard to do that. They don't like it when you do that. But in order to focus on the best things, sometimes you have to get rid of some of these toxic things. Third question, in order to experience life to the fullest, what dead things or situations that have run their course need to be cut from my life? I have a tree in my front yard. In the next two to three years, it's going to need to be cut down. Why? Because it's almost dead. It produced, it produced for many, many years. It's been a blessing for many years. But there just comes a point when things don't produce anymore. There isn't any fruit from them. And often we feel like it's a failure, but it's not. Things just sometimes run their course, and you've got to be willing to let them go. I had an accountability partner. I met with this guy every week or every other week at the very least for a couple of years. But once I got married, that did not fit into the rhythm of my life. And he had a hard time separating, but I eventually just said, look, this just doesn't work for my life anymore. Things have changed. I have a new job. I've got a wife. This all of us meeting like we have been, I just can't keep doing it. It had run its course. We didn't fail. He thought that we had failed. And what I kept trying to tell him was like, look, this has just run its course. I need to move on and do something different. I can't keep doing the same thing that I did five years ago when I was single and I was just in college. Just didn't work like that. What things in your life have run their course and you need to separate yourself from them? Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's a ministry you're part of. Sometimes, you know, it's a group that you're in. There just comes a point when some things need to be let loose and let go. The text goes on, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler alert and tell you where we're going with all this. So you go to God, you first, God to you, and then you to your spouse. Submit to one another. It's a focus on each other here for the second base. It's a focus on each other out of reverence for Christ. What this is called is what's known as mutual submission to each other. You got that mutual submission. It's when you look at your spouse and you say, you're the priority. And then your spouse looks at you and says, no, 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 no. You're the priority. And you look at your spouse and say, hey, I'm going to serve you. And then your spouse says, no, 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 no. I'm going to serve you. And you, or you look at your spouse and say, hey, I'll hold the baby so you can eat. And your spouse says, no, 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 no. You, you go ahead and eat. I'll hold the baby. Or your spouse looks at you and, um, and says, hey, you go out with your friends tonight. And then your spouse looks back at you and says, no, 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 you go out with your friends. It's been a long time. You see where I'm going with this? Or your, your spouse, you call your spouse and say, hey, I'm going to come home early today and spend some time with you, help you with the kids. Your spouse says, no, 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 I want you to work late so that way you can get ahead at work. Or you look at your spouse and say, hey, let's go to your parents' house and have dinner tonight. And then your spouse looks at you and says, yeah, let's go to my parents' house. There's limitations to everything. But it's this idea of mutual submission. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. 
You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you wanna know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. We were in a small group a while back, and one of the women in our group, we were talking about this concept. She said, I love this idea. It's really good in theory, but I just feel like I would be taken advantage of. Yeah. That happens sometimes. It doesn't say do this out of uh, your own personal rights. It doesn't say do this because this is what the uh, Bill of Rights or the Constitution has allowed you to be able to do. It says do mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because guess what? He was taken advantage of from time to time too. But I can tell you dozens of stories after story after story of a spouse who is willing to love their husband or love their wife the way that Christ loved the church, and then that spouse ended up getting loved into the kingdom of God and saying, you know what, I don't want to live this way anymore. I see the peace and the joy and the love and the patience and the kindness that is in you, and I want that in me. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being frustrated. I'm tired of yelling. I'm tired of allowing these addictions and other issues to get the best of me. And it's just, you know, I want what you have. The actor, uh, Stephen Baldwin, he's brother of Alec Baldwin. That's his story. He said his wife would wake up at 5 a.m., walk over to his side of the bed, and start to pray. And he said, and he just thought she was the craziest woman ever. He thought she was nuts. Until about six months in, and he was dealing with some issues. And he asked her to pray for him. And in the course of that, he ended up giving his life to Christ. And now he's making Christian movies and doing some other things. Seems like he's a great advocate for the kingdom of God. The question that I want you to ask is this. First of all, what not to ask is, how can my spouse love me? This is why people don't get married today. Because they're constantly asking, how can this person love me, fulfill me, be everything that I need? There's an element of it, maybe 20% of how can I love them, but it's mostly how can they love me? And so people don't get married because they just don't think somebody can meet all of their needs. They're constantly paranoid. But that's not the point. The point is not by God's design. Now, if you want to go by the culture, again, that's another deal. By God's design, it's not how can my spouse love me? It's how can I love my spouse? When you start to ask that question, that's when things start happening that are Man, they're like supernatural. It's people look at your marriage and they just say, this is incredible what you two have. There was just a, there was a funeral here yesterday. Mike Kelly, one of our elders, his mother and father, he'll be up here in a few moments and close out our service. They were married 72 years. That is absolutely incredible. There's a lot of how can I love my spouse? That's how this happens. 
In the northern Cascades of Washington, there are trees that are hundreds of years old. That's an incredible phenomenon in America today. One is because we cut a lot of trees down. But the primary reason that it's hard to find trees that are two or 300 years old is because of lightning strikes. When lightning strikes, fires spread, trees come down. That's just the nature of life cycles of these trees. But in the northern Cascades, you find that there's often these areas where canopies get created where the trees come together and there almost becomes a different climate below the tree canopy than above it. And it's very damp and humid under these tree canopies. So lightning strikes, but the fire doesn't spread because there's all of this moisture to uh, put the fire out. In a very similar way, when two married couples are willing to stay committed and water their marriage well with the commitment to God first, to loving each other the way that Christ loved the church, Lightning's going to strike. We already went over that. There are going to be things that become a part of your story that you never wanted to be a part of your story. And it's going to deal with cancer. It's going to be strokes. It's going to be children that are yours, that are adopted, that you just wish would be better than they are, and they're creating problems. There's going to be health issues with your kids. There's going to be money issues. There's going to be employment issues. When lightning strikes and you have that kind of commitment to one another, the fire won't spread. But often when those moments of tension come and trouble in a marriage and the lightning strikes, sadly, that's when marriages get burned down. And he goes on in this text, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This is women's favorite verse in the Bible. Hey, it's here. I'm going to talk about it some other day. I'll come back and dig more deeper into it. You know, he's not, first of all, he's not talking to husbands here. So husbands, it's just never good to play this card. Okay? It's just never, and for many reasons, okay? For a variety of reasons. Uh, But it's just never good to say, you should submit to me. Okay? And Paul didn't write, hey, husbands, tell your wives to submit to you. He didn't go there. He's talking to the wives. In other words, it's meant to be voluntary. If it's not voluntary and it's coerced or forced, that's not submission, that's slavery, okay? So in the midst of the submission, it's also, this is, we're talking spiritual here. This is spiritual topics. And that's why it's so important for husbands to be spiritual leaders, that you ought to be guiding your family to place more faith in God and how they can do that. And as men, we need to be growing in our faith in the Lord so that we can be this kind of leader that the wife wants to follow. But there are areas where, many areas where I don't submit to my, or I completely submit to my wife, okay? Our house is full of submission, and the majority of it is me. When it comes to raising our kids, picking colors, what we're going to eat at night, what the kids are going to wear, what our, I mean, I'm constantly, she knows way better than me. But when it comes to spiritual matters, I need to be loving her the way that Christ loved the church, and we'll get to that. And you know, when it comes to spiritual matters, you know, there's just moments where I need to step up and say, let's not panic, let's not worry. You know what, let's pray about this, let's give this one to the Lord. That's what we're talking about here. The text goes on, and I'll, some other day I'll talk more about that. But it's really a beautiful thing. It's not something that we should be scared of. But I understand people have taken advantage of those verses. Husbands, so why, should, why ought some, there to be some submission like this by wives? Husbands should love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. That's key right there. Cleansing her 
by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but the holy, but holy and blameless. And so one day, what this is telling us is that you're going to be rewarded, okay? So we're talking post, you know, you're past the judgment of heaven and hell, but you get rewarded. There's another judgment seat called the Bema Seat of Christ in which you get judged for the life that you have lived here and you're rewarded for the good things you have done. Part of that reward is going to be based upon how you have helped your spouse to become holy, to become more like Jesus, okay? So the question that this text leads us to, or third base, well, sorry, we'll get back to third base here, is Christ. The whole point of that is you ought to love each other. Your motivation ought to be Jesus. As you look to Jesus, he ought to motivate you to love each other in this particular manner, to sometimes do things that you don't want to do, but to always have faith. Jesus is our ultimate motivation. The question that we ask here is this, am I helping my spouse to be more holy? Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designate a gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. Are you helping your spouse to be more holy? Or are you drawing out of her or drawing out of him things that are unholy? I was just, uh, I was thinking about this and I've gotten a little better over the last few years at this, but one of the things that I had to learn to, to stop doing was when Laura and I would have a problem, I would immediately want to resolve it immediately. And I would not leave her alone until the problem got resolved, which inevitably just caused more problems because she wasn't ready to take, she wasn't ready to deal with it. She didn't want to talk about it. And I didn't understand that. And so then she would become angry. And then I was upset because she didn't want to resolve the problem right then and there. But in the process of this, what I realized is if I just give her some space and give her some time and we circle back around to it, whenever that may be, sometimes we would just set a time and we'd just say, hey, let's come back to this in a couple hours. Let's talk about this tonight. Let's talk about it in the morning when we actually have a, we've had an opportunity to sleep and we're not wanting to choke each other to death because we're so tired. But you need to give yourself time to circle back around to problems. And that was something I had to learn because I was not helping her. I was making her worse off. I was not helping her to be holy. Are you helping your spouse to be holy? We had a couple who was in our small group at a previous church who um, the wife would deprive her husband of sex for months on end. Okay? And it was a ma- clearly it was a major issue in their marriage. And we talked about it in the group and we, we prayed with them. But the thing about it was, is it was cause, he, what he would say to her is like, every single day I go into the world and nothing but these sexual images are thrown at me. Like you're create, this is creating think, temptations in me that I don't want to have. 
And I'm not asking, he's like, I'm not asking for a lot, but this, we have to work this out. And it was, there was some major tension there. And that is a major issue in our world today that couples, married couples, need to be aware of. And if you're single, it's something that you're going to have to deal with at some point. That the world wants you to compromise your purity. And if you're aware of it in your marriage, and as you enter into that marriage, it's one of those things that maybe you can hope to try to avoid. Are you helping your spouse to be holy? You know, and it's not just the things that you need to avoid, but it's also other things. That, are you challenging them to be at church? Like, hey, what's God, how are you willing to have conversations? Like, what's God teaching you? You know, what are the things that are, um, you know, that you're reading about in the Bible? Or you get on you version, okay, and you do a little Bible plan together. Like, those are all things that can help you to, <laughs> help you to be more like Jesus. Are you, again, are you helping your spouse to be more holy? And then we kind of, we're going to go full circle here back to God. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Again, following as imitators of Christ, as imitators of God, that the three were one, okay, with God. In the same way that a husband and wife ought to, the two become one when they are married. So these are the bases, when we run them right. But here's what I've noticed, is that often people don't run the bases right. And they'll start with God, I'm good with God, but then they kind of, I'm not going to deal with my issues. Okay, I'm not going to take responsibility. I'm not going to say I'm sorry. There's things here that I need to deal with. But I just, I don't, my family didn't do that, and I don't want to do that. It's not, that's uncomfortable. So there are these things that we just don't deal with. So you go straight to your spouse and, hey, I'll love you. I'll be faithful to you. I, I like Jesus, and we'll come back to God, but I'm not dealing with me. Or they'll run the bases, and they'll go to themselves. But then when it comes to their spouse, you know what? That person hurt me. They said things to me that they shouldn't have said. They did things to me that they shouldn't have done. And so, you know what? I'm going to skip him or her, and I'm going to go straight to Jesus. This is a good triangle if you're single. It doesn't work if you're married. Or I've seen many people who just, they're involved in a ministry. They're involved in a church. They're going on mission trips. But their spouse is a fringe player. They've never tried to bring them into it. Or they tried once or twice and just gave up. And so they just cut their spouse out and saying, like, it'll be me, Jesus, and then we're going to, this is how we're going to run these bases. And they forget about their, they just forget about their spouse. Or people will, this is very common in our society, that they have God, it's this ethereal version of God, but it's not like the one true God. And so then they go to themselves and like, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with myself a little bit and I'll deal with my spouse, but they forget about Jesus. And you can't love the way that God has designed marriage. You can't have the kind of love that God has designed marriage to have without Jesus, okay? It's very, very difficult to do that. And so they just run the bases like this. But if you want to win, you got to, this is the way you got to run the bases. And when you run the bases like this, you're going to score a lot of runs in your life. And it'll be amazing what God will do with you when you're willing to do that. Years ago, there was a movie called Ben-Hur. starred a man named Charlton Heston. The climactic scene of the movie is this race in which he is driving this chariot. And ultimately, he wins the race. But there's a backstory to him driving the chariot. He literally had to drive this chariot. And he went to the director as he was having trouble learning to drive the chariot. And he said, I, I think I can drive the chariot. I just don't know if I can win the race. And the director looked back at him and said, if you drive the chariot, I'll make sure that you win the race. 
And I think God has the same challenge for us in our marriages. That you know what? If you take off and you start to deal with some of the ups and downs and the twists and the turns of marriage, what he's saying to you is like, don't land the plane. Don't give up. Stay in the race. If you, if we can stay in the race and stay committed to him and loving each other the way that Jesus loved the church, he's saying to us, he said, I will make sure that you win. I will make sure that you get through the end, that you get around the bases, that you score some runs. That's his commitment to us. And we just have to stay faithful to him in that. And that's my challenge for you. Ask those questions that I've given you. Are you helping your spouse to be more holy? Are you, you know, are you willing to cut the good things from your life to experience the best things in your life? And then all the other questions that we had there, are you willing to process, reflect on those things to be better going forward? As I was writing those questions, I realized last night, I got some things that I need to work out. And I'm guessing that maybe you do too. Let's have a word of prayer and the team's gonna continue to lead us in worship. Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the love that we have in Christ, that we can come to you, Lord, um, and you can inspire us to be better, to be more like him. Help us, Father, to be more faithful to you, God, in all that we do. Help us, Father, to love our spouses better. Um, Lord, for those of us who are single, God, help us to uh, learn lessons in all of this to be better for you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the Give tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.